Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is November 29th, 2016, and it's a little brisk outside, but very sunny. So today's an awesome day. You know, that's what I've been saying every week since the U.S. election. My feet hit the floor, and I say, today's an awesome day. Just need to remind myself of that periodically. I'm recovering. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to move in a, a really positive direction since the election. But anyway, I don't want to get into all that again. It is bright outside. It's a little brisk, which is you know awesome. I love that, actually. I like being able to walk outside and feel that. It just wakes me up right away. It's better than taking a really cold shower, quite frankly, in my opinion. I, I would not enjoy that so much. Um, but walking outside when it's like that, not so bad. I kind of like that. So here's what's going on. I mentioned since I'm back in school right now um, that my schedule for the show might get a little bit wonky. And so you may have noticed that there have been a few skipped episodes, um, and that is because of my schedule. I submitted my research project slash paper Sunday, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that my professor will say, you're done. You don't have to do any more rewrites. But you never know. I, I have no idea. And I learned a valuable lesson, or I suppose relearned this lesson, um, about writing and the difference between writing fiction and writing, well, a research project that includes this paper. You know, you write fiction, you can get so creative, and it can be fun. And even if you're writing certain types of nonfiction, you can do that. But not so much in a research paper. So I had to basically strip out what I would say is all of my personality as a writer <laughs> and then write this research paper. And I learned that because of the edits that I was receiving from my professor and the TA that I had to strip some of that personality out, which is really unfortunate because, you know, honestly, you know, I've read a lot of research papers, especially in the last, since, you know, the semester started. I mean, tons of research papers. And, you know, not a lot of people read those that are outside of academia, right? I mean, that, the percentage is really low. And part of the reason is because they're so dry, generally, and they've been stripped of personality. And I honestly think that if they just put a little snippet of personality into them or allowed the writer to do that, if it wasn't the industry norm not to do that, people would want to read those a little more often. That's just my personal opinion. I know I would. I'd find them more entertaining if I could sense the personality of the author, the researcher in there. Because, you know, they can have a sense of humor, even on a tough topic. We can bring in some personality. But that's just my two cents on uh, the difference between writing fiction and, and, and some nonfiction versus writing this type of nonfiction, which is a research paper. And as I said, fingers crossed. I hope this is the, my last uh, one that I had to submit, but you never know. There was one more bit of research I wanted to include in it, but I don't have the, the data yet. And so I don't know if I'll be able to include it later. Or not. I don't know. We'll see. I'm getting ready for my final. That's, that's where I'm at right now. But today 
I do have a guest, and her name is Monica Jeffcott Thomas, and we're going to be talking about how to create a captivating war romance because that is, in fact, what she did. I went over on Amazon, um, the U.S. side and the U.K. side, so I could see what her book was all about. Her book is called 15 Words. I have no idea why it's called that, so maybe she can tell us that when I bring her on. Um, But I was reading through some of the reviews that she has. She could use some review love, by the way. So if you're into historical romance, um, and just historical war romance or anything, you should check out her book. Um, the, the feedback that I saw over there was really positive. And she's got some five-star reviews. Great. She's got a three-star review. But, you know, on Amazon, that's just wonky. The fact is I read the review and the person liked the book. So that three-star review is not a bad review. It's a, a good, solid review. And it has been described, this book, as captivating, which is why I used it in the title for today's show. So let's bring Monica on and welcome her. Monica, welcome to Back Porch Writer. Hello, welcome. Um, can I just say that I fully agree with uh, all your uh, comments you gave on the difference between academic writing and fict- writing fiction, because I'm personally in the same position in my profession. I have to write a lot of research papers, and I know that hardly anybody reads them for the reasons that you've given. And I was very pleased to be able to write fiction where personality hopefully comes through and makes the book. So thank you for that comment uh, earlier on. I'm really in agreement with you, Corey. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. I knew your background was in, um, well, child, it's not child psychology necessarily, but I mean, psychotherapy and uh, working with children through play therapy is your background, right? Yeah, and I we have a research really journal where we have exactly those problems that it's all got to be written for academia, which nobody reads. So therefore, or oh, very few people read, they read it so that uh, they can quote and be quoted again rather than for the interest of what the content is. Uh, so we also uh, publish a practice journal, which is much more in the sense of you know, the personality of the person who has done research comes through. And it's wonderful that there are people in the world who actually agree with my approach as well on this. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> well, you're welcome. So it, it seems like you, you transitioned into writing fiction, uh, maybe so that you could get that personality stuff in there. What made you decide to write a war romance? Well, most of the content is based on personal experience uh, of my parents and grandparents. And my parents died three years ago. And uh, first of all, I wrote my autobiography based on, uh, you know, obviously what I knew about them, but also what I found out in uh, documents, letters, and everything they left behind. Um, And when I'd done that, which had to be also really full of facts rather than (laughs) what, uh, in fact, that um, grandchildren and family uh, could accept as part of their uh, family history, when I'd done that, I thought, right, there is a lot of things that I would like to write about uh, in the content context and want to write fiction and I could let rip and bring all events in in a way that 
not only had I experienced them, but I could put them uh, or put add a fictional dimension to it, which I found really liberating. So tell everybody what 15 Words is about. Well, 15 Words uh, is basically a story of uh, two medical students who fell in love while they were studying and found it and wanted to get married, but found it difficult to reconcile their personal and ideological beliefs and had decided that one or the other has to convert to their beliefs before they could marry. And this is then following that part of the story, which was then interrupted by uh, my father uh, being conscripted into the war as a doctor, and that separated them basically for four years, Uh, not only while the war was going on, but also he was imprisoned uh, or taken prisoner uh, in Breslau when Breslau um, became a siege. And uh, he then had to go to Russian-Siberian imprisonment for four years. And so when I was born... Uh, He was not around, neither uh, did my mother know where her grandfather was or where her, I mean, where her father was, uh, where her mother was, because they were all separated through the war. And I did therefore not know my dad for the first four years uh, of my life, uh, which I did not miss him that much because my mother told me every day all these wonderful stories about him and what a wonderful man he was. The um, experience, however, of when he came back uh, was quite traumatic for me and because I was expecting this wonderful man of whom I'd seen lots of pictures Uh, But when he arrived, he was like a skeleton, pale, in his war uniform. Uh, I'd expected him to rush up to me and give me a big hug and say, I've been wanting to do this for four years and I love you, but none of that happened. Uh, He was very distant and obviously, looking back, quite traumatized. By the event of coming back and having to fit in to a society where missing uh, what was going on for four years. So that was really the basis of the story, and then how uh, really the awful way of this separation um, that my mother didn't know that he was still alive when he found out through one of the friends that was a prisoner of war with him that he was still alive and where he was. She wrote to him. They hardly ever got the letters. And then the responses they were allowed to write were only 15 words. And that is why Ah. I called the novel uh, 15 words, because 15 words and the expression of... (laughs) 
what one is able to convey in 15 words is very essential to the whole story. What, what do you think was the most challenging part of writing this story? Uh, to separate myself from the emotions that I was feeling uh, and keep on thinking, right, for those people who will read the book, am I, will they feel the same or am I too much involved and need to distance myself more? And that was really quite a difficult process because I went from tears to laughter to, you know, how one does when you write. And, um, right. yeah, so that was, I think, the most difficult thing. And I hope I've done that to the extent that people will really enjoy the book and feel similar emotions to what I felt when I was writing it. Well, I think from reading the reviews, it seems as though that is how those reviewers felt. One review, and it may have been that three-star one, um, mentioned that she, I guess the way that you designed the book, you do like one chapter for Max, a chapter for Erica. You can go back and forth for the point of views from yeah. what I read. Is that right? Okay, yeah. so I think it was this reviewer who said that she, you know, she really was into the story, and then she finally said, I don't like Erica. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason well, it was funny because I knew she she was totally into your book and it was because she she just got angry with that character. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you did a good job if she got angry with the character. That, that is interesting because you know, although I had a very secure uh upbringing, um I had a lot of anger with my mother after my father came back. Yeah, not not in my sort of until I was 10, but as a teenager, I could not understand why she was at the time for Hitler and went through all this Hitler youth where my father's family uh, were totally detached. My grandfather on that side uh, was a brilliant musician, violinist, pianist, and he shot and he was a uh, headmaster of a primary school, and he shot himself through his wrist uh, in order not to have to go to war, lost his job and all sorts of things like this. So that was my father's side and my mother's side. Uh, her father went out because he thought what Hitler was doing was the right thing to bring Germany back into its greatness, which it had lost after the First World War and paying reparations and all this sort of stuff. He was the owner of a big weaving, dyeing um, fa uh, factory. And in the years of depression, uh, there was unemployment, and Hitler bought employment back for him. Yeah, So he saw all the positive things that Hitler did, and therefore my mum got embroiled in that part. And then my dad on the other side, and after all, I spent the first four years in my dad's family because my other grandfather was in Russian uh, imprisonment, and he only came back in 1956 when I was 11. My grandmother was in Polish imprisonment, um, which she got then rescued from by 
my uh, father's father, my great-grandmother got shot by the Russians. She was a brilliant pianist. She did not want to leave um, Silesia, which was then, uh, which is now Polish, and was overrun by the Russians at the time. And she got shot. Yeah. So all that was happening, which I could not like my mum for having, you know, bought into that kind of thing. I obviously understand uh, in my adulthood much more about all both sides, but I had a lot of anger against my mum. So I can feel that maybe your this reader has picked that up at some level. Well, some of the other comments were that, you know, being I'm in the United States, American, the way that we learn our history is a little different than how people in other parts of the world will learn about the same event. And so some of the feedback that I read about your book was that it was nice to be able to read it from that perspective, read about the war from the German perspective versus I think many of these people that were leaving comments were American. Um, so they just didn't know that perspective. I know I certainly don't. You know, I'm left with, okay, why, you know, why was your mom so enamored of it? Didn't she see what yeah. was happening? Didn't she see the millions of people that were being killed? Did she, you know, did she not know about that? I mean, those were the questions I would have if I were reading yeah, the book. Yeah, and that is what you I know? had as an 18-year-old uh, old with my mom, and my grandfather was back then um, a lot. You know, why didn't you do something about it? Why did you not know about it? And actually, and that is quite a useful thing to know maybe for your audience as well, my mum did not know what was going on until uh, four days before I was born as a doctor. She was called to the station where... Uh, she'd evacuated to from uh, Silesia, which was being overrun by the Russians, to join my uh, grandfather, um, where he was evacuated from the war district, um, to to join him in a safe place to have me. And four days before I was born, she was called to the station as a doctor, and a big long train with. Uh, wagons was there and when uh, she got there the doors of these uh, wagons were opened and swept out were dead Jews onto the platform and some were not quite dead and she had to deal with them that was the first time she knew that something had gone wrong yeah my grandfather who lived in the road district at the time and the one who shot himself through the wrist when I asked him he said we saw people disappear like the local butcher Jewish local butcher but it was all so above board he would be invited to be relocated in a much nicer area he would go then he would write to his family and say come and join me it's brilliant here and that is and they disappeared, yeah? So he didn't know at all what was going on uh, in reality. My dad, when I asked him, uh, 
you know, as a soldier, did you not come across camps or concentration camps or anything like that? He said he got across one uh, on his march uh, after he got in prison and saw a notice up, uh, which looks like, in retrospect, a camp. And when he reflected on that, he said, I just could not believe that Hitler, who was fighting uh, before um, he rose to power as an ordinary soldier, would do something like that. They just, he just couldn't believe it. Okay, once he got into prison and saw how the Russians treated him and everyone else, you know, maybe he rethought that part. But I believe that the people um, that I knew really didn't know what was going on. Hmm. Wow. That's why people really should take a look at this book that you have, including me, because of the different perspectives. Yeah, I think it will um, that it has. show you how ordinary Germans um, experienced the war and their love and, you know, everything that you strive for when you are young and how it was really difficult to survive that, I think. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, what are you talking about? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go uh, ahead. Talking about when my dad came back, he never once, I never felt that he was traumatized or talked negatively about Russians or anything like this. Um, we, when we asked him about the war, he wouldn't talk about it. Uh, my son, um, who is also a doctor and who admired my dad a lot, uh, asked him when he was about 15, uh, could you not at least, if you don't want to talk about it, talk on tape something so that we have something when, uh, of your experiences? And he did that. But when I listen to that, it's all sort of not at all what he uh, what we finally found out actually happened for him, which is in the book, uh, in his imprisonment and how he survived that. So he was a really respected, ordinary citizen. Um, but in the last two years of his life, when he uh, was really uh, fine with his head, but his body wouldn't let him be active anymore as he was before, when he dozed off, you could see his body shake. He cried. And when I went up to him and just choked him and said, it's okay, Dad, it's okay, he would say, oh, I've just dreamt about the war. Yeah, so mm. how the same as soldiers that are coming back from the war nowadays, whether they've been in Vietnam mm-hmm. or Syria or wherever, how they manage mm-hmm. to integrate is just a really real mystery to me after what they've been through. Right. Now, you mentioned right before we came on. really for people to read the book to get an impression of what people go through and how yeah. they survive that. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you've got a, a second book coming out. Does it continue? Yeah. 
this story? Is it a different story? Uh, no, it continues, but at a different level. It's more about um, the story after my dad came back and what okay. happened and uh, also how I and I particularly coped with him and what had happened and, uh, yeah, the reality, again, for somebody who came back from the war traumatized, but how it came out in completely different ways that you wouldn't have known mm -hmm. this, the basis was uh, post-traumatic stress, really. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, in my job currently, um, this is a lot of the children we deal with uh, have uh, a post-traumatic stress and sort of the experience of that also feeds into the book. What's the title of the second book? The Watcher. The Watcher. Okay. The Watcher. And when is it coming out? When well, is it coming I out? I hope uh, sort of mid-next year. It's all done, all written. It's ready to be published, but I think we need to get this book on the way first before the next mm -hmm. one comes out. Well, Monica, we are quickly running out of time. I want to thank you so much for being with me on the show. You'll have to come back for uh, The Watcher and tell us all about yes. that story and, and how where it picks up and, and all of that. Um, I, we didn't get a chance to get to any marketing tips or anything, but uh, maybe next time we can do that. Yes, and I hope your audience will be encouraged to read the book and give me their feedback. Um, I don't know, have you published the website, which is www.monica-jeffcott-thomas.com, and on there you can give me your feedback, and that would be very, very helpful and much appreciated. Okay. Um, please do me a favor and send me or have Josh, who scheduled you for the show, have him send me your website information in an email, please. Okay. I, will. I would appreciate that. Okay. Um, thank you, thank very, you again for being on the for, show. Uh, allowing me to talk to your audience. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye. This is truly fascinating. You know, I'm not that into historical uh, books or historical romance, for that matter. I'm not into reading romance, but... This is fascinating, and the reason I find this fascinating is because it is written from a German perspective rather than the American perspective that I grew up reading so much about. And so this, to me, is worth checking out. I'm going to go download a sample of it so I can get a feel for what it's all about because I did not get a chance to do that before the show. Um, but you can, too. You, know, you can download a sample, see if you like it, and if you do, then buy the book. And as Monica said, go over to her website and leave her some feedback, leave a review on Amazon on the U.S. side. You, can, you might be able to do it on the U.K. side. I don't know, depending on who's listening, I suppose. Um, but leave her some feedback so that she knows. But this just sounds really interesting and captivating, as someone else said to me. So I'm going to have to go over there just in a moment and check that out. Before I let you go, I was over on Digital Book World's website, 
and I go over there periodically. It's been a while though because I've been my head wrapped up in my school and getting my paper uh, done. Uh, but they've got this great series that they did, Four Steps to Selling More Books with Less Social Media. And there was this chart for how you can choose which social media to um, really use for selling. Anyway, they described the buying process. On one of the articles, it's the author's three-step test for sellability. So look that one up because that's the one that includes um, a, a, a comparison of the various social media sites. And Facebook came out on top. I mean, in terms of being able to sell, it came out on top. But the article's great. It gives you their insights and why they chose or say the things that they're saying. So go over to Digital Book World. You can even sign up for Digital Book World daily excuse me, to get more information from them. But that's, I think, what I'll be spending much of my afternoon doing today is catching up on things I haven't been able to do in the last couple of months since I started school. But I want to thank you for sticking in here with me and listening to the show and sharing Backward Trier with other people because without you, nobody would ever really know about the show and wouldn't know that it exists. So thank you for sharing the information with your audiences and the people that you admire and the people that you like and respect. I really appreciate that. Um, until next time, pull up a chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackwardsWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.